the learning revolution for associations and a status update on this podcast. All of that and, well, that's just about it on this episode of the Learning Revolution Podcast. Hey there, folks. This is Jeff Cobb back for another episode of the Learning Revolution podcast. I've had a long hiatus, one that I did not necessarily plan, but uh, after it got going, uh, it just kind of kept going. And I'll say up front that uh, this may, in fact, be the last episode of the Learning Revolution podcast. While I was uh, out there uh, working on client projects and and doing everything that I do day to day, uh, I began to think about what will the future of this podcast be? And those of you who are joining for the first time or just jumped in somewhere along the way may or may not know if you haven't gone back that uh, I started this podcast uh, as a way to put the interviews that I did for the book leading the learning revolution out there for the world to listen to. And I thought that was a great way to add to the value of the book. And then also, of course, to, to help uh, build an audience for the book, help to promote it a little bit. And I decided to keep going with those and, and create some more value by entering, uh, interviewing other people. But I got to a point where I felt like maybe this thing had run its course. So I've been contemplating that for the, the past several weeks. And then an opportunity came along to talk with Brian Kelly over at Association Mavens and do an interview with him on the uh, fantastic uh, Association Mavens video cast uh, that he has over there. And it occurred to me that that was a, a great way to top off, to cap off this Learning Revolution podcast series. This will be episode number 21. 21 seems like a nice kind of coming of age uh, number to say, okay, we were kind of wrapping things up here. And I also thought that the content of the interview with Brian was great for that purpose because we go over uh, most of the, the the core themes in the book, Leading the Learning Revolution. And those are the same themes that pop up again and again in the interviews with uh uh, that I conduct with folks on the podcast. So felt like just a, a great capstone. And I'll tell you, while the interview with Brian is focused on associations and how the revolution impacts trade and professional associations, it really applies broadly to the audience for leading the learning revolution. Trade and professional associations are certain, certainly a, a, an important part of the audience that I was writing the book for, but also you know, subject matter experts of all stripes, uh, speakers, trainers, consultants, really anybody who has something to teach, who wants to build a platform, wants to get what they know out to the world, and of course, maybe generate uh, some, some good income in doing that and actually build a business or a line of business out of it. You know, if, if that applies to you at all, then even if you're not directly connected with a trader professional association, I think you're going to like the content in this interview with Brian. And, and I want to give you know huge props to him because he really is using some of the, the tools of the revolution, the, the mindset of the revolution to create 
his uh, site and his video cast association mavens and, and bring in thought leaders. Uh, actually, one of the techniques that I that I recommend in leading the learning revolution. Great form of content marketing. Great form of education that helps uh, him with with building the business that he's associated with. So I'm going to take that association mavens interview, and you can also catch this in its video form over on the associationmavens.com website. Um, But I'm going to give you the audio version here in the podcast feed for Leading the Learning Revolution. And uh, I hope you'll agree that it's a great capstone to the Learning Revolution podcast series. Um, If you haven't listened to the other interviews in this series, I encourage you to, to go back and do that. But for now, let's dial on over to the interview between uh, myself and and Brian Kelly. I'm actually being interviewed for once instead of interviewing somebody else. And that also seems like a nice way to, to cap off the whole Learning Revolution podcast series. Hello, everybody. This is Brian Kelly from Association Mavens, where you get direct access to some of the foremost thinkers and teachers in the association industry. My guest today is Jeff Cobb. Jeff is author of a fantastic book that you need to read called Leading the Learning Revolution. He's also the founder of Tagoras, a research and consulting firm on continuing education. So welcome to Association Mavens, Jeff. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Brian. Great. Well, Jeff, I'm really eager to talk to you because this topic of um, kind of the learning revolution, so to speak, is at the intersection of a lot of things that personally I'm, I'm really interested in. So the combination of lifelong learning is something that's very important to me, uh, obviously, as as evidenced by this show and, and wanting to learn as much as I can about the association industry, um, but also this idea of using the Internet as a powerful tool. And, and leveraging that as a platform to reach as many people as you can. And then obviously how this is so important and, and what the impact is on associations for this topic. So are you ready to dive in? Hey, it's my favorite thing to talk about. All right. Well, I wanted to start um, really digging into some questions that I had coming out of a presentation that you gave at ASAE's Great Ideas 2013 conference. And the session that you uh, gave there was titled Next Generation Learning, How to Thrive in a Modern Lifelong Learning Education Market. Now, one of the things that you talked about in that presentation uh, to kind of set it up and and provide a framework for what what this is all about and why this is important is you talked about some key trends that are really driving a shift in the market to lifelong learning. Can you talk about what some of those trends are, um, you know, maybe from just like a high level perspective and, and give us a little blurb on each of those trends? Sure. I, you know, I'll highlight three of them. I think I talk about five in the book, but they all kind of flow together. Um, I mean, the biggest one, I, I think on a certain level is obvious to people at this point, And yet at the same time, we just really probably haven't fully come to grips with it. And that's just everything that's happened in technology, you know, over the past really even five years. I mean, five years ago, YouTube was in its infancy. Facebook was in its infancy. Uh, You know, even Google was only five years old or so at that point. Uh, And and at this point, those are established parts of our lives, and, and we rely on them as ways to go out and find content and consume content. And whether we're conscious of it or not, they are a vital part of our lifelong learning. So we've had just a huge convergence in new capabilities in the area of technology. And at the same time, 
work has changed dramatically. Um, you know, the stat that I used in that presentation was that uh, the average baby boomer between the ages of 18 and 42 switched jobs, I think it was 11.3 times, and, and that number has only gone up. And of course, it's not just jobs these days. I mean, people are switching careers, and there's a, there's a staggering statistic, or I think it's staggering right now, that uh, fully a third of the U.S. economy, something like 42 million people or so, are freelancers now, which wow. means they're out there on their own. Um, you know, they don't have a corporate training department, uh, and they're looking for whatever resources they can get to help them with their lifelong learning. And a lot of that's going to be do-it-yourself, but they're also going to be looking to various forms of continuing education, one of those obviously being trade and professional associations. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then the third area is just how education has changed. I mean, I think most people have seen, if you, if you read really pretty much any newspaper at, at this point, you've seen things about the massive open online courses, you know, the Harvard's yeah. jumping in, Stanford's jumping in, everybody's getting in this massive game. You've probably heard about the Khan Academy um, and the whole idea of you know flipped learning, having video online, and then being able to take that into the classroom and have deeper learning experiences. And, and then you get things like you know a, a Deloitte uh, recently came out with a study that said the the shelf life of a college degree now is about five years. Wow. You know, most people are spending a quarter million dollars to to go to college, and uh, and you got a five year shelf life on that. So you know all of that for me just amounted to this incredible just convergence: technology changing, work changing, education changing, and it creates this just tremendous demand for lifelong learning. And I think you know wherever there's a tremendous demand, wherever there's a tremendous shift there's a huge opportunity for leadership. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty fascinating that that convergence of all of those different areas are, are kind of creating this massive opportunity for um, associations to be able to capitalize on, on really providing something of value. And I know a lot of discussions that I've had with folks on association mavens as well as just in the industry as a whole is that we're looking for how can we create better value? Um, how can we create something for our members that's really going to especially this, this new younger generation of members that, that's coming up, um, you know, how can we attract them? And this is something that really is, is essential and something that every association re really should consider. I mean, that's what associations are there for, but there's a whole lot, there's a whole new game, it sounds like, as to how you go about doing this and how you deliver that. Absolutely. I mean, expectations are obviously changing, you know, as more and more kids coming up, you know, go through even elementary school, much less, you know, higher education online, you know, they're expecting online to be a part of what they do. They have different ideas about what it means to learn. And, and you know, and it's not just confined to the younger generations, the older generations are starting to see, you know, yeah. I can go to Khan Academy, I can go to a MOOC, you know, that, that has Stanford behind it and, and get some great education there. So those expectations are, are, are definitely shifting. And it means that anybody who's in that, that market for lifelong education who's traditionally been a provider really needs to be, you know, rethinking how they're providing education, both both online and off. Yeah. Well, you've touched upon this a little bit, but I want to see if, if we can dig in a little bit deeper to, you know, why does this learning revolution matter? What's what's the significance and, and probably more specifically, why does this matter to associations? Yeah, well, I mean, I think anytime you see a shift like this, it's obviously going to, you know, um, threaten in some ways the uh, the existing structures that we've depended on. It's also going to create tremendous opportunities at the same time. And I think right now, I mean, we're, we're really at, at, a, at a point of inflection, and, and we're already seeing a lot of a lot of the you know kind of first mover activity happening. You know, we saw that the big brands come into that whole MOOC. 
uh, arena. We're seeing uh, organizations like the Gates Foundation invest in in Khan Academy and uh, you know through grants uh, to uh, to really get behind that whole form of flipped education and how that might change things. So, you know, I think if you are a, a traditional uh, educational provider in the market for lifelong learning, and, and I describe that market as kind of the other fifty years, because most of us, you know, we exit elementary and higher education sometime between the ages of 22 and maybe 26, you know, if you're getting an advanced degree and there's that whole other 50 years out there. And I think if you've traditionally been in there and just doing the, the standard seminars and, and conferences, the kind of stand and deliver presentations, suddenly you're finding that, you know, these big brands are getting interested in, in this because, you know, the Harvards and the Stanfords, yes, they're focused on higher education, but they're also very much focused on the professional development market. And then you've got a lot of upstart entrepreneurs and a lot of the best ideas I'm seeing out there are coming from some of these smaller entrepreneurs. So it really matters if you're in this market because you've probably already seen competition rise, whether that's direct competition or whether it's indirectly for just for the attention of your learners. You know, you've got your membership model already under some pressure. So if you can't turn around and figure out, okay, you know, how do we really deliver value in this new market? You know, you're probably going to start seeing yourself slip some. And we work with a lot of associations that are seeing that start to happen and have to start rethinking how do they go to market with uh, with what they have to offer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to see what's out there. I know, um, for example, I, there's a guy out there who has a website that's all about um, providing information about the combination of marketing and psychology. And, you know, he, he's he's an entrepreneur. He's got, you know, some a good track record behind him. And he's sharing some highly, highly valuable information that he offers for free. Derek Halpern, um, right? Yeah, Derek Halpern. And it's phenomenal. I, I You know, I, I see that and I get so excited. And it's the thing that immediately comes to my mind is, you know, why is the American Marketing Association not on top of this? Exactly, exactly. But um, I, yeah, I, I say the same thing in the book um, around, uh, you know, social media examiner and Mike Stelzner. What right. he's done with that organization, I mean, people think that if they're familiar with it at all, they think of it as a blog, you know, or maybe mm -hmm. a podcast. And, and Mike is a fantastic podcaster. If you want to learn how to podcast, listen to him. But, you know, the whole business model there is driven initially by virtual conferences, you know, right. and, and just, you know, they're providing a wealth of free information. And then they're actually, you know, selling virtual conferences as fairly big ticket items. And now they've transferred that into the face-to-face -face conference world. You know, Derek's doing something similar. You can name all of these entrepreneurial people who you don't think of as traditionally, you know, lifelong education or continuing education providers. And they may not really think of themselves that way. But that's what they're doing. You know, they're, they're providing that uh, that education out there. Well, and, and at the end of the day, it's all about the value. You know, I find myself with with a lot of these resources. You know, I've got my notepad, and I'm I'm going crazy with notes because the information is so um, so relevant and so you know, it's not kind of necessarily rooted in tradition. It's more of like this is stuff that's really happening right now on the internet with marketing or whatever the topic is. And I can't find that anywhere else. And it's a shame, you know, and I think that, again, to underscore this for the context of our discussion, this is a tremendous opportunity for associations to be able to really step in and, and offer something that is competitive in that space. And I mean, if you think about it, the American Marketing Association, how deep are the, the resources of knowledge that they have, um, you know, in that membership and the leadership in that organization? So there's no reason why. Yeah, and, and I think that's you know that's part of what's going to have to change. I think really for you know associations to take advantage of the opportunity. 
I, in that particular presentation at uh, ASAE's Great Ideas, I, I laid out three kind of principles that I see organizations needing to embrace. One is simply being more entrepreneurial, and we've you know cited some entrepreneurial in, in individuals and, and looking at those examples and seeing you know how they use they're incredible using the internet to just understand their market and assess their market. They know how to use tools like search. They know how to use tools like you know Google AdWords to test their market. They know how to use community to, to build up following, but not just to build the following, but to, to really understand the people who are following them and, and, and tap into their needs and, uh, yeah. and, and then respond to it. So, you know, being entrepreneurial, but then, you know, to your point, uh, someplace like the American Marketing Association or any association really having this deep bench of talent, I, I think associations are really going to have to get into the the, the talent game in a way is like, you know, how do we cultivate our bench? How do we form just really high quality relationships with our subject matter experts so that we are able to leverage those relationships and what's unique about us as an organization, help them become, you know, the best possible presenters they can be, um, help them participate in business models that are interesting to them and just really cultivating competency and, and, and cultivating that bench, you know, as a second principle. I, I think the third one, you know, in, I, I have found this happen kind of natively with a lot of the entrepreneurial figures who are out there right now. I think probably because they are small business owners and they just they want stuff that works and they're going to make sure that what they do works, you know, for you. Um, I think that whole question of impact, you know, we we have to be creating educational experiences that aren't just, you know, right right now if you're in the education world and you're you know you kind of know all this sort of instructional and learning design stuff, you know about the Kirkpatrick model, and everything is evaluated according to the Kirkpatrick model. Most associations, most continue education groups in general tend to get to level one of Kirkpatrick, which is basically, did you like it? Which doesn't really tell you a whole lot about an education experience. You know, there are three other levels of Kirkpatrick that really get into, you know, did you learn something? Did it change your behavior? Did it really actually have an impact on the business? And, and I think, you know, associations are going to have to get much more serious about are we having impact here? Because learners are going to demand it as they have more and more of these experiences. And employers who are, you know, often funding a lot of this stuff are going to demand it. That's already a big thing in the corporate world, the whole yeah. return on investment thing. So, you know, how, how do we make more of that happen? It's, it's actually really cool because when you think about it, there's this intersection of all of these different things coming together. Like you said, you know, instructional design, um, really understanding how people learn. And, and quite frankly, I think how they learn best in a certain type of situation. If we're talking online, as a delivery mechanism or platform, you know, there's there's ways that we can create and structure our content that makes it uh, easy for for that learner to digest. You've also got you know presentation skills. You've got you know the entrepreneurial aspect that you talked about. You know, being able to think kind of creatively and nimbly. I mean, there's there's all these things coming together at play within this this concept or this notion of of being a leader in the learning revolution. So, um, yeah, I, I, the more and more I think about this, the more excited I get about the possibilities and the opportunities that are out there. So that kind of leads me to my next question. I did want to ask you within the association space, you know, are there any associations that you've seen that have kind of at least, you know, are they doing awesome in this? Are they trying things? Are they maybe dipping their toe in the water, um, to really take charge of, of, going after this opportunity to create uh, online learning or uh, 21st century learning model, let's say. Uh, is there anything that, that you can share that you've seen or experienced? Yeah, you know, I'll give a, a couple ends of the spectrum. And, and I like to, to start with the simple end because I don't want people to think, you know, 
this is going to require investing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, or it's just really, really complicated. Yeah. A lot of this stuff is is really quite simple if you're just paying attention. So just a really simple example, and this is just in the world of webinars, you know, and everybody's been doing webinars forever. But um, Ned Campbell, who's at the Florida Institute of CPAs, you know, they've been running some webinars. They're trying to gear up and get better at that and figure out what's really going to resonate with their audience. But one of the things they also do, and a lot of associations do this, is they run listservs. And, and so Ned, you know, as the education director, is paying attention to what's going on to those listservs. And it sounds really simple, you know, but he's actually monitoring those conversations and seeing what comes up and, and what's resonating. And, you know, one example I give in the book, and, and Ned's actually gone on and done this, I think, two or three times after the, the book, where he was listening in and he saw that there was a, um, a conversation about comfort letters, which is a you know, big thing. And if you're a CPA, uh, it has to do with, you know, whether a, a company is, is solvent, is financially stable, and how do you write these letters, you know, to, to convey that. And he saw this conversation bubble up around that. And suddenly there were like 20 or 30 people who were engaged in this conversation. And, you know, and the light bulb went off. And because he had been listening to what his audience was doing, within two weeks, he had launched a webinar on that. You know, and again, webinars, everybody's doing them. But, you know, he had record numbers on that webinar because he had just been paying attention and had been responsive and had been entrepreneurial and said, let's just get out there with this. Let's not yeah. debate it and get a committee and everything else. Let's just put this out there. So that's, that's a really simple example. And that's just a behavior you know, that uh, organizations need to adopt. You know, you go to the other end of the spectrum where you really are trying to design some learning experiences that are a little bit different. Um, the folks at the American Chemical Society, I mentioned them in the book as well, have started an initiative called uh, SciMind, um, which I think is great. It, it's, it's a small cohort-based uh, learning initiative. And what happens is folks come in and they take an initial assessment, um, and anybody can do this. They don't have to participate in the Sign Mind initiative. They take this assessment, and it tells them kind of where their learning gaps are. So that's a, a pretty traditional thing that hasn't really been established as well as it should in, in the uh, continuing education space. But then based on that assessment, they may place into this cohort where along with you know, a group of other people over a period, of, I believe it's six weeks with mm -hmm. them, they're going to go through a learning experience where there is an expert facilitator. They're going to have you know, some live webinars. They're going to have some discussion board. They're going to have some on-demand content that's based on their, their assessment. Um, they're going to be part of this group that moves through together. They even do a lab online. Um, and, the, and the people who are in the group you know, will, will watch the person in the lab and will direct the person in the lab to get them to do wow. the right thing. So you know, actual hands-on practice online. And then they eventually graduate into a broader learning community. And, and this is you know, still a pretty nascent effort on the American Chemical Society's part, so you know, hard to tell what the long-term success is going to be, but it's gotten off to a really good start. And, and you know, that's uh, an example of the type of thinking that I think needs to be going on right now. Excellent. So basically, if you're an association executive and you're interested in this area, you need to get an HD cam, screen recording software, webinar software, and a copy of Jeff's book. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Great. Well, Jeff, thanks so much uh, for, for doing this interview. Some really, really interesting information. Um, I'm eager to kind of see how things continue to unfold and, and watch some associations uh, become to be, to be leaders in their respective industries for providing uh, valuable education to their membership. So thanks again for joining us. Hey, thanks for the chance to, to talk about it. I really appreciate it, Brian. You bet. 
Well, folks, that's a wrap. As I said at the beginning, this is uh, officially marking the end of the Learning Revolution podcast series. Uh, If you are subscribed in in iTunes or through some other uh, means, I would encourage you to stay subscribed because I'm certainly not done with podcasting. And and part of what I'm thinking is I'm going to come up with uh, uh, something else going forward. And I will probably use this platform as a a way to, to notify folks of that. So I'd encourage you to stay subscribed or if you're listening for the first time to go Go ahead and subscribe and you can get all 21 of the, uh, the interviews that are part of this series. And I hope you'll find some, some significant value in those. In the meantime, I do thank you for listening to the Learning Revolution podcast. If you have not checked it out already, I w- would be truly grateful if you take a look at Leading the Learning Revolution, uh, the book that inspired this podcast. You can, of course, find out about that on the learningrevolution.net site um, and also on amazon.com. And finally, I do encourage you to go over to Association Mavens and see uh, some of the other things that Brian Kelly is doing over there. Uh, Check out his video cast and how he's put together really a great high-value site at associationmavens.com. This is Jeff Cobb signing off from The Revolution. (laughs) 